Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Friday, October 23rd, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. It's Friday already? Oh, my God. I've been laboring under the misunderstanding that today was Thursday. Time flies when you're having fun at Heartland. And one day is so much like the other that, oh, well, I guess it's Friday. So, anyway, we welcome you. We're honored and delighted that you're here to share with us this ancient understanding and technology of forgiveness. It is just... uh, a delight and a pleasure to share these tools and to bring them forward. Ultimately, our goal being to take them to or to give them to every mind, heart, and being on planet Earth. It's a pretty awesome task to be involved in. And we're at Heartland. We've got kind of a cloudy day. The last week has been absolutely awesome in the 70s every day, just beautiful. And today we've got a little bit of rain, which we needed very much, so it's it's a good thing. It's just it, it rained all night, gentle. It's just amazing. Here we are, almost the end of October. We had the windows open last night, slept with just a sheet, no blanket needed. It's in the 70s. It's absolutely beautiful. So we're getting all kinds of gorgeous fall colors, and... Things are just rocking right along. So we're delighted that you're here to share with us and to engage in these tools. The series of tools that we have developed fall under the title of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And there are at least, I think now, 35 identified tools that we've developed on how to bring yourself to a state where you are continuously aware of yourself as the active presence of love and are able to continuously function out of that presence of love. So that's the whole idea of what we're doing. The forgiveness process being one where if you find yourself in some form of hostility or fear, Rather than following the culture's dictate that says, well, it's their fault, so you forgive them, we invite people to never, ever, ever, ever forgive anyone, ever. Because letting other people off the hook for what's happening inside of you has absolutely nothing to do with forgiveness. In the Aramaic language in the first century, when the word forgiveness was used, It was known and understood to mean a tool with which you go inside yourself and remove your hostility, your fear, your pain, your rage, your grief, your sadness, your hate, your vengeance, whatever it is that's going on. 
So that's the tool of forgiveness that we're looking to restore. The Greeks, because they had such an externalized culture, it was all about what everybody else was doing to them, took translations, and of course that's uh, what we see. The root of what we see in this culture is mostly Greek. And so they took and translated the ideas of forgiveness totally backward, because of course the belief being that it's all somebody else's fault that I'm feeling this, and you know, once you realize you've been through a certain painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people, you kind of get to thinking, hmm, I'm the only one that was there every time. Maybe this is about me. Maybe forgiveness isn't about them. Maybe forgiveness is about how I heal my capacity for hostility or fear. And I actually get to live as a human being. I get to live as the active presence of love. And so that's the whole thesis that we're working on. And the dynamics that run most people's lives are learned very early in childhood from a person that we call a power person. And a power person, as we define it in our codependence to independence, is a person that has more power over your life at some point in your life than you do and is not functioning as love. So that's our definition of a power person. If our power person, and it's usually apparent, though not always, and we can have more than one power person, if our power person was functioning out of some form of hostility or fear, then the tendency will be our whole lives long until we're able to go in and forgive those dynamics of hostility or fear, our tendency will be to function out of that hostility or fear to just carry on the good old family feeling, the good old family tradition, our whole lives long. And pointed out before in the show, the three things that control behavior when we're facing unresolved dynamics. And this is pretty much invariably throughout the culture. Unless someone's done the work of going inside and cleaning up the mind, when the mind is prompted into behavior, it will tend to take over. And so the three behaviors that run the world, that run the game, and I don't care whether you're looking at the political debate, Michael, you're breaking up. We can't hear you. So I'm not sure where you walked to or what you did, but you just disappeared. Okay, is that any better now? Much better. Okay. So, and there's no stress. One will tend to do whatever they did to get along with their power person. So if it was Mr. Nice Guy, the normal persona when there's no stress will be Mr. Nice Guy. When stress starts to build, is the mind will kick out of the Mr. Nice Guy and do whatever that individual did to resist and survive with their power person. So if they went into, you know, some sort of defensive mode, you'll watch somebody, they're rolling along, Mr. or Mrs. Nice Guy, and all of a sudden their stress starts to build and they start to get defensive. You'll hear them protecting themselves and, you know, the slightest implication that they may have done something wrong and they'll be right in your face with throwing it back and showing how you did it, it's all your fault, and blah, 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 blah. And that's the second stage of the power person dynamic. Then the third stage is when one becomes ultra-stressed. And when one becomes ultra-stressed, they'll do whatever their power person did to them that they hated the most. So if their power person raged at them, when they become ultra-stressed, they'll rage. If their power person did the silent treatment, then when they become ultra-stressed, they'll do the silent treatment. If the power person viciously struck out and hit, then one will hit. If the power person left, then one will leave. It's just kind of as predictable as night follows day. And you can listen to or watch the words that one uses, and you'll see which dynamic is in play. I'm actually getting ready. I've been working this morning on a Facebook post, and if you're not connected with us on Facebook, you can go to JM underscore RYCE and send us a friend request. We'd love to connect with you and keep you posted on uh, 
on our uh, what we're doing with our posts. And by the way, I'm I'm starting a new series of posts. We have a a friend out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, named Fran, and she did this awesome drawing of Yeshua. That's just beautiful, and she's given us permission to use it. And so you may have noticed a couple of days ago, I did a post. Uh, on Facebook with that picture. And I'm going to start to use that picture regularly uh, with quotes from Yeshua uh, from the ancient Aramaic. And so we'll just make the request, if you're connected with us on Facebook, that you repost those in as many places as you can. We're going to start to uh, to make that a, a regular happening so that the ideas of the ancient Aramaic uh, flow uh, as they were originally intended to around the globe and become available to people in their realistic, practical, original, actual form. So that's kind of where we're heading with that, and we would appreciate the support of everybody. You know, every time we post one of those pictures of Yeshua, if you'd repost it, I mean, take all of them or any of them and post them, but, but those in particular, we'd appreciate that support. But the... Uh, the post that I'm getting ready to do is one that back oh, several months ago there was a video of a woman who went to a demonstration where a group of people was demonstrating against and attacking police and she sees her son throwing bricks or rocks at the police and she goes over and just viciously wails on him. They catch her on video. It, it went global. They catch her on TV, and they've got her just screaming, raging, uh, uh, swearing, cursing at him, and and just taking this 16-year-old kid and whacking him in the face and whacking him in the head and chasing him down the street. And, and it's interesting because one or more than one media outlet actually suggested that she be voted Mother of the Year because of her heroic going in and quote-unquote, saving her son. With no brain cells for the power person dynamic, one might fall into that story and go, yeah, look how heroic that mom is. She sure showed him, and she should be voted the mother of the year. Excuse me. She was probably one of the most damaged mothers that's ever existed on the planet. When you look at what she does to her son, you can bet that. If at 16 she's as vicious and verbally abusive and physically abusive with him at 16 and he's bigger than she is, you can bet when he was two and three and four and five that same viciousness was there. Why is he throwing rocks at police? His stress is up. What causes stress to go up? When someone doesn't fulfill our goals, our stress goes up. When we have too many unfulfilled goals running in the mind, we become ultra-stressed. And so you watch this young man's behavior in his ultra-stress state, and you know how vicious someone has been with him. And then when you see this video, you can pretty much tell who it was that was vicious by the way that she wails on him and screams at him and name-calling. It just, I mean, it's bizarre. And for the media to promote this as mother of the year, like, here you go. Here's how you keep a kid in line. You beat the hell out of them in public on national television. Now there's a really heroic mom. Excuse me. That's an insane mom. An insane mom. And and when I say insane, what I mean is a mom who is not functioning with the presence of love in her mind. Does she have concern for her son? Yes. Obviously, clearly, and truly, she wants to get him the heck out of there so that he doesn't get shot. But is this love toward her son? Now, somebody might try to put the words tough love and oxymoron together in the same sentence. Doesn't work very well. Some might try to call it that. I'd offer it was nothing but out-and-out abuse. And her son, when under stress, was just doing exactly what his power person demonstrated to him. And it's time for our culture, instead of glorifying these types of things, to begin to step into the process of healing. Why would a mom rage? Well, they say she's afraid for her son. That's why she's raging. No, she's not afraid for her son, and that's why she's raging. She has rage in her, that's all. Is she afraid for her son? Yes. That creates a stress. But her rage isn't about her fear for her son. Her rage is about the fact that her mind is filled with rage. 
you know, Jeannie and I, and I share this story fairly often because it's so powerful. Jeannie and I were, uh, were in a uh, uh, grocery store oh, some time ago, and Jeannie was checking out, and the person in front of her had a small child, about two-and-a-half, three-year-old boy, and he wants some grapes, and there's a big fuss, and, you know, he's not getting the grapes, and there's some shouting. And, and then the woman finishes checking out and pulls out in front of Jeannie, uh, and has to fix something in her car. So Jeannie goes ahead out to the door. I've already gone out to the car to to, uh, to get the car to pick her up at the front door. And she's standing at the front door as this woman walks out with her two-and-a-half or three-year-old in her arm. And she overhears the little boy saying, Mommy, don't beat me. I love you. Why does a two-and-a-half-year-old even know how to say the words? Don't beat me. And then, how has this child learned to manipulate through, I love you? Well, children learn what they live. And, you know, people make up stories about how, oh, it never hurt me. I turned out all right. Yeah, that's a good rationalization. But if you think about a newborn child, a child fresh from love who comes into the world as that awesome presence of love and you know just just think about this child who's been in this warm sweet wonderful environment of mom's belly for nine months if mom had a peaceful life if she wasn't doing drugs and alcohol and smoking and such and think about this child who begins to grow as love in love connected to love Really contemplate, and this may resonate something for you, and if it does, it's a great place for forgiveness. It's a great place for worksheets. But think about that child, you know, three, four, six, eight, ten months, 12 months, 15, 18, 24 months. The first time that someone raises a hand to beat on that child. Now, we have all kinds of nice words. Well, we disciplined him. We, we didn't beat on him. We just hit him. Well, we just gave him a tap on the butt. Excuse me. Think about this child fresh from love who's not yet been violated and the devastation they go through the first time someone raises a hand and slaps or hits them. Yes, many adults, in order not to go back and feel that devastation, make up stories about how well, it worked for me. Well, my parents cared enough to hit me when I got out of line. I'd offer that's just a way of not feeling that devastation that occurred the first time one was hit, or the second, or the third, or the tenth, or the twentieth, or the five hundredth time. Forgiveness is a way to go inside of your mind find those hurt places and remove them that's what forgiveness is all about and as you engage in that process you'll find yourself not only removing the hurt places from your own life but you will begin to access genetic hurts things that never happened to you that you will have the opportunity to remove from your structure. And as you do, you get to return to the truth of who you are. And when the truth of who you are shows up in the face of that devastation, and this is the core of forgiveness, that devastation is transmuted. There is a change in the energy. And when it changes, the result is called forgiveness. And the result of forgiveness is healing. So that's what we're here to support, and that's what we're here to understand, the principles, the dynamics of that process, and to support every mind, heart, and being on the planet, being able to engage those tools. And we're just honored and delighted that you're here to be part of the process, and that we'll have this show, along with well over a thousand other shows in our archives, that you can go back and listen to if you've got someone who's got a challenge as a parent and raising a fist, the reason they do. Not bad or wrong. What do you suppose this two-and-a-half-year-old I was talking about a little while ago who turns to mom and says, Mom, please, you know, don't beat me. I love you. 
What do you suppose when this guy's a 260-pound, four bruiser is going to do when the stress is up and the chips are down and his wife violates one of his goals? What do you suppose he's likely to do? Now, they'll call him a spouse abuser, which he is. But why is he a spouse abuser? The energetic dynamics of the generations don't fall far from the tree. And we may proclaim, well, we never did any of that, but Here's, here's what I'll tell you. If you have not resolved your power person dynamics and you have children, in their secret moments, your children speak about you the same way as you speak about in your secret moments, in your hostility and fear-based moments about your power person. It's just time for us to start facing that and cleaning it up. If you haven't accessed the tools for doing that, then we invite you to go to www dot w-h-y again dot org that's our website and if you scroll down the page a little bit you will find a link to a uh, a bullseye you'll see a, a red and white bullseye click on that link and it'll open a whole series of links on the how-to of forgiveness and that's what we're here to share with you there are at least on the third link down there there are at least 16 radio shows each an hour or so in length where we've walked somebody through the whole forgiveness process. Here's how it's done. And so we're here to support you and carry forward the process of healing. We appreciate you lending your ears to us, taking the tools and passing them on to someone else. Genius, Dr. Tim with us? Yes, he is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello and see what the young man has to say. How do you mean today, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. I was enjoying oh, the exciting on your mind? Well, I was just enjoying the intro and the distinction that 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 event which got caught on TV and went viral uh allows us to highlight the idea that a loving interaction has nothing to do with swearing at someone and hitting them. And that um if you have as you as you talk about, if you have the experience in your past, if you have the brain cells there are so many other ways that mother could have been in that very same space and been an influence on her son without the raging and without the hitting and swearing, etc. So I enjoy that. I enjoy your uh, bringing that to light to help make that distinction. And uh, beyond that, we had our support group last night. There was just one other person and myself. And we had... Tim? Um, yeah? Tim? Before you go into that, could I just throw in one other thought based on your comments? That, you know, it certainly it gives us the opportunity to highlight that there are many other ways that she could be interacting in that situation. And I think we can kind of extrapolate to the next level of recognizing that if she had had a loving, gentle relationship with her son from early childhood, he wouldn't be out throwing bricks at police. That, that she never had to go to that situation to rescue him from that or to do whatever it was she did because he'd have not been there. He wouldn't have been doing such a thing because he had a whole different set of brain cells to be functioning out of. So there's a, that deeper level of healing the family dynamics as well, which, of course, is what we're about pursuing and getting to the other side of. Exactly, exactly. That had he been raised differently, the chances are good that he would have an entirely different way to respond when irritation or frustration got resonated in him, other than going out and throwing things at people. Exactly. Well, we had our support group last night. There was one other person and myself, and um, that person chose to listen to... um, the show from a week ago Wednesday, uh, where so many things were flowing. So we watched or we listened to the first 40 minutes of that, and then we did a discussion and then a worksheet. And uh, as so often happens when there are only one or two of us in the support group, very, very powerful worksheets happen, very, very powerful processes and dismantling of what doesn't belong there. So it was delightful and... um, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the day supporting people. And I introduced somebody else to the uh, 
Bill Cosentino video on goal canceling yesterday, and so I'm I'm very grateful for the tools and um, all their various forms. I heard you say something about 35 different tools, and I thought, hmm, he must be referring to things that get taught in things like laws of living, which is a an intensive I haven't been to yet, but so it piqued my interest. And then one other well, thing. Well, we would I'll love mention. it if you would choose to join us next summer. You know, the schedule's there, but get on your calendar and cut out a place for it. That'd be okay. awesome. One other thing. One other you. thing I want to mention is that in that show a week ago last Wednesday, um, Susan Darnell called the show and asked, "How do you do a worksheet on a single word, and what would the goal look like?" if the trigger was a word. And then last Thursday or last Friday, that was brought up again, and you were trying to answer it but got derailed. So that's a that's a, a topic that's still out there. You haven't laid out for people how you might set up a worksheet if someone gets triggered by a single word or what the goal would look like if I put the word as the trigger for my upset. So that's my offering for cool. today. Great. Uh, do you remember what the word was? And we'll maybe see if we can get specific with it. Well, we had one word that came up in the support group, and that was victim. And I used the word several times in the discussion and then we did a worksheet in the group on me as the trigger because I said that word several times when I don't normally say it. Uh, okay. The other the, the other way it got triggered in in the in the um, show was in the intro. I used the word goofy, and I said, "What we're doing here." If you think about it, it's kind of goofy because we're giving away one of the, the most powerful tools I've learned in 41 years of therapy, and we're giving it away free. So in the context of this culture, that's really not the way they do it. So it's kind of goofy. I used that word goofy once, and several people got triggered. And Michelle later came on and said that she got triggered, and her thought was, Tim is disrespecting Michael and the work. And someone else in the chat room had mentioned that they were upset or they got triggered by that word. And that's what led me into talking about how the night before in the Tuesday group, someone had gotten triggered by my use of the word victim. So there you go. Great. Well, you know, it sounds like right on track. And, and it is goofy. I mean, when you think about the way this culture thinks about money and survival and all that stuff to take something that's valuable and give it away is like are you crazy what's wrong and and i've had lots of people say i don't get it i don't know why you you've been doing this for how long 35 years you've been traveling paying your own expenses and teaching this stuff free are you crazy so i'm i'm quite in agree with no insult to me it is goofy in the culture's terms but in terms of and, and let me just share what, what motivated me. My original, like kind of the key thing that comes up for me in what took this work to the next level. My son, Michael J., who's now 35, if I've counted the years correctly, had just been born. I lived in Atlanta. And I don't remember now at this point, you know, what the latest news bulletin was about who did what to who or, you know, how the globe was going to hell in a handbasket, but it was just really apparent to me at that moment that if somebody didn't do something, there wasn't going to be a place for my kids to grow up. And so that's the moment at which I said, I'm going to take this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And at that time, I charged a fee for everything that I did. And for a few years after that, you know, nobody got into my workshops without money. And a few years later, I reaffirmed the fact that I was going to take this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And the feedback that came back was, intuitively, 
Michael, if you really mean that, then money's got to go. And I can remember, you know, at that moment thinking, are you crazy? <laughs> Am I goofy to do that? <laughs> you know, it was just like a very distinct opening. And the response was, if you really mean that you're going to make it and give it to every mind, heart, being on the planet, then there are going to be people who don't have the money or won't spend it. So give it away. And that's what I started to do. And that's, I don't know, 31, 32 years ago now that I started to do that. But certainly if someone were triggered because they thought you called me goofy, which isn't my reality at all, then their reality or or the the worksheet they would do on that word in the context of what you just explained would be, of course, Dr. Tim would be uh, number one C. And it sounds like at least somebody thought you were calling me goofy. And so the goal would be, I want Dr. Tim to be respectful of Michael in his words. To use only respectful words toward Michael. So that would be the setup and the goal in that situation. And you can bet somebody who had that response has been degraded or put down by someone, probably their power person. And so all they could hear was another degrading comment and a put down rather than an acknowledgement that, yeah, in the culture's terms, it's pretty goofy to do that. And I'm in full agreement with you. As far as the uh, the victim word goes, then... Once again, Dr. Tim would be the the uh, object of attention of the worksheet. At least that would be one potential one. And the goal would be for Dr. Tim to speak words the way I want him to. Language things the way I would like him to language it. And you can bet that that person and what they're going to uncover when they do that worksheet is going to be about how there was somebody in their lives, once again, probably their power person, We're right back to the power person dynamic, somebody in their lives who was always correcting their speech, always correcting them, always telling them what they did wrong. Now, there is a game that we play called the regulatory peach game where we invite people to give us feedback on our speech. When we're unconsciously off base, you know, it's, it's a great tool to have everybody in your environment who's conscious of language and how powerful language is. You know, if we listen to Yeshu, he says the power of life and death is in our words. And so recognizing that if our language is off base, having the feedback that, gee, you know, you might not really want to create out of that language you just used of that really kills me. You know, that might not be what you want to create. So that's the regulatory peach game and it's awesome. But here we're talking about something different than regulatory peach. Now, somebody could have played the regulatory peach game with you and said, gee, Tim, you know, maybe you'd want to talk about people who believe they're victims rather than just straight out victims. That would be responding through the rules of the regulatory peach game. But the fact that somebody was in a disturbance at the use of that word, that's the, that would be a worksheet on their disturbance. You play the regulatory peach game out of a connected space of love. And we call it the regulatory peach game because in laws of living, we spend a lot of time looking at and working with what we call regulatory speech. And regulatory speech is the speech that regulates our physiology, our cellular chemistry, our brain's chemistry. It regulates the energetic patterns we radiate out into the world, and it creates our feelings and projects or, or becomes the world of pictures that we see. So it's pretty powerful stuff. And we used to have, you know, use that as an idea of, People in the class would feed back to each other when there was unconscious speech happening. And, and uh, we, we call it the regulatory peach game now in, in honor of a little guy. He, he's not a little guy anymore, but uh, back, oh, probably uh, 15, 17 years ago when his mom was here doing laws of living, Orion was about three, and he was – on the heart center floor down in the teaching center we're doing laws of living and we spent a lot of time on regulatory speech and so orion's been hearing this over a period of days and he's sound asleep on a blanket and things are starting to stir because we're going to take an intermission and and somebody goes into the kitchen into the walk-in to get a bowl of peaches big clear bowl of peaches for a snack 
And uh, Orion, you know, kind of rubbing his eyes, looks around the room, and he's sitting beside his mom on the blanket. He kind of gets up to her ear and whispers, of course, loud enough for everybody in the room to hear him, Mom, are those regulatory peaches? <laughs> so we call it the regulatory peach game in honor of Orion, but, but it's just, you know, feedback on speech. So that would be how to do a worksheet around disturbances someone have over the use of the word victim. So what what have I not resolved about victimhood yet? What have I not resolved or what am I trying to avoid dealing with that that word resonates in me? And if it didn't resonate anything and there were feedback to give Dr. Tim on it that was appropriate, then it would just be feedback to Dr. Tim. But uh, sounds like it was all right on track. So that would be my take on how to do worksheets in that regard. Does that kind of uh, uh, get to the heart of the question, Tim? Well, that's that's repeating basically what we said and talked about last Wednesday. But I believe that Susan Darnell's question was, because you say you can do a worksheet on any person, place, thing, <clears throat> incident or event, past, present, future, living or dead. So if you if in that situation you were putting the word goofy as one C, or any word, the word victim as one C, I got triggered by this word, then what would my goal look like for the word? Well, I I, I suspect that more properly it would be the object of attention would be Dr. Kim and watch you know, Dr. Tim used the word goofy to describe Michael would be what some sounds like that person's perception was. So then the goal would be for Dr. Tim to speak more, you know, um, honorably about Michael. That would be my take. I wouldn't necessarily, and, and you could do a, a worksheet on just the word goofy. And if that were in number one, a, then what would my goal be around the word goofy? I'd, I'd have to get more uh, more deeply into what the uh, the perceptual reality was in that situation, and so and maybe we want to mute somebody. We're hearing a lot of papers rustling there. That was me. I thought I was on mute. Oh, okay. Okay, that cool. was me. So it's really, you know, as opposed to a worksheet in that case on the word goofy, my take would be it would be more on the person speaking the word and my goal for that person speaking the word. I, I don't, I don't think in the case of uh, in the in the case of a word goofy that I've got a goal for goofy. So that wouldn't really be the object of attention. The object of attention would be the person speaking the word. So I wouldn't see that as a. It, it was more the, the the person speaking it than it was the word itself. Yeah, that's that's how we presented it. But Susan just had the question: yeah. if it did come up, and someone had been triggered by a word, how would you make them the? And it was just something that evolved because I I talked about how the subject of this worksheet was this single word that I used, which I don't normally use. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But I, again, in order to do a worksheet on an object of attention, that object of attention, and, and as we as you said, person, place, thing, or event, past, present, future, living or dead, including yourself, it's got to be something you've got a goal for. Now, do I have a goal for the word goofy or or victim? Mm, it doesn't it doesn't seem appropriate as the object of attention. It would be more the person speaking it and the meaning that I gave to what that person spoke. Oh, you know, when Dr. Tim said goofy, he was disrespecting Michael. So it would be more the context in which the word was used to me, and then the goal would be the goal for someone speaking to be different. Be my take. Kind of clarifies it. But if if I had a word, and an, an example doesn't come to mind offhand, but if I had a word that I had a goal for, you know, like, for instance, maybe take some of the vulgarities of the culture. And uh, I might have a goal for, you know, that 
word that you know I've attached and the culture attaches all kinds of nasty meanings to it for that word to uh, to disappear from the vocabulary then that could be you know if if there were a let's say a, an example of a word I considered vulgar and the culture considers vulgar then uh, I might have a goal for that word to disappear from from the culture's vocabulary or I might have a goal for all of the meanings behind that word for me to be free of those meanings. So that might be a, an appropriate case to uh, to do a worksheet on a word. But that's about the only example that comes to mind. Well, I'm going to guess that that's, that's more directly addressing what Susan was asking. So that good. sounds good. Cool. Well, maybe Susan's out there. We'll push the button and see if there are any refinements we can offer or any refinements that she has. And I'm hoping that maybe um, uh, Magda will call into the show. You know, Magda is probably one of the strongest champions in this work to date around the responsibility communication tools. She just loves it. When she and Chuck came here and spent six months, that became the tool of choice, and they just used it, like just really used it, and she used it since. And so she called me this morning, and she had some thoughts to share about the conversation yesterday, but they were getting ready to travel, so she wasn't sure she'd be able to be on the show today. But uh, if she is out there, maybe we could say hello to her and hear her thoughts, because she had some really powerful thoughts about it and her experience. And as I say, she's really used the tool a lot. And so instead of me trying to share those thoughts uh, from my uh, understanding of what she said. I'd rather she has the opportunity to do it. So if she's not out there, we'll just uh, let that thought go and uh, and we'll perhaps hear from her on Monday as Mike. she shares. Uh, yes, we Okay. Uh, Susan is on, but we've had a caller that's been holding since the beginning of the show. So let's get the other caller and then it. we'll get Susan. All right, 541, you're on good. the air. Good. Is this Julie? Miss Julie from Ashland, Oregon. Hi. <laughs> hey, young lady, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. Um, I I would have been happy to wait, but but I'll just go forward, I guess, as long as everyone go bookmarks where they were. Or, Jeannie, you can put me back on hold if you want. What would be go good? Go for it. All right, I'll go for go it. Go for it. I'm going for it. Okay. So, I have a lot of things going on in my life, and... I won't talk about all of them, I guess, <laughs> but I'm writing, I was sitting here listening for the last 10 minutes, writing my check finally to tithe to Michael and Jeannie Rice for the contribution that I receive in my life from all this work. And um, if anyone wants to listen back to August 14th show, that's how long it's taken me <laughs> to write a check, a tithe. So well, let me just say hurting. let me just say that well, let me just say that when you say for Michael and Jeannie Rice, if you write it to Michael and Jeannie Rice, there's nowhere we could cash that check. So you just make it to Michael Rice, or you could make it to Jeannie too, whichever way you wanted to. Oh, excuse me. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask, did you need it written to Heartland or anything else, or just one of you? No, actually, if you just if you just make it to Michael Rice, that'd be cool. Oh, okay, okay, great. All right, well, I have to rewrite them. So that brings me to a little story about the first check that I was starting to write because um, what has been going on for me and, and um, in August 14th show, Dr. Tim gives a really, really just for me it was very inspiring about tithing and the awareness I arrived at then was well, why am I waiting to tithe? You know, I can tithe from wherever I am right now. It doesn't have to be a lot. It can be a little. It can be what I can do. Tithing is more of a gesture towards that which works me. Okay, so anyway, um, so in the last three months, I haven't done that tithe, and I've been going through all my little mindful processes and everything, and power person this, and responsibility communication that, and just, you know, I've been doing my worksheets. And so here I am, I'm writing it, and I wrote down... Michael and Jeannie trust. So I made a mistake on the first check that I wrote anyway. So this will be, the, you know, I'll be writing another check now. Anyway, um, 
I had I finally came to a realization today that all that processing in my mind and works and I wasn't just I wasn't really doing that many worksheets. I was doing it all in my mind and too busy and resisting. And I finally just today said I give up. I I'm I'm gonna write the check right now. I'm just gonna trust. And the words came to me that it's it's good to trust in that which is trustable. And you know, and that's you know, it then so that's what trust is, just surrendering to that which is trustable, which actually requires trust, because I don't even know what that is. And that's why I was delaying for so long in my mind. Um, and that had to do with something I learned about my parents and I and my relationship that I have been trying to help them way back from the divorce days as a child. I was trying to help them be healthy enough to take care of me. So I have a pattern of trying to get everything else healthy out there in the world so that it will take care of me. So that was a big eye-opener for me to just let go of (laughs) and, you know, stop recreating. Um, And so I just wanted to say that. And then the other thing that I've been projecting myself into, my creator energy into through um, my matrix of perceptions, and self-created reality created from energies inside me <laughs> is try, trying to do something constructive in the world with regard to community rights and, and correcting situations the way I see them being so bad in the world. And um, that has been just wearing me out. And I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm something outside of you. Place. Something outside of you is wearing you out. Right. I just caught that. I just caught that. I caught it. Thank okay. you. I'll go on. <laughs> um, so recognizing that I was just, I was allowing myself to become depleted by working that way and knowing that there was another way to work, I just got into a place of there's no purpose in this. What What is the purpose, you know? And And my inner guidance showed me that, Healing is the only purpose in this world. And so anything I try to do out there is never going to really work. Only if it serves to help me heal something inside me is really where the value is. And um, I I got an insight that dreams in this world, dreams, like from The Course in Miracles, dreams do come true. And that's all they are. They're still only dreams. So I'm. that's where I'm at, and I just want to share with anyone out there that would love to ties. Um, it, it, I feel through my processing I can offer the guarantee that it's worthy <laughs> and trustable to tithe to Michael Rice or Jeannie Rice or however you want to write the check so that the work is furthered and continued and supported in that um, that way in the world, so to speak. So it's from my heart, and that which lives through me that helps me or assists me or is the creation of the life I get to live, um, That it is that giving directly from that in me to that in you. Kind of like a namaste. <laughs> so there well, you have it. Thank you, and we accept. Yay. And if you're if you're going to do that, we're going to actually be here for probably another ten days or so. So you could just send it to us here at Heartland. Okay, that would be I, awesome. Got, I got your new address from uh, Jeannie a couple of days ago, um, cool. and I'm glad I asked because I had an old one. Okay, so thank you and and uh, blessings to all of us. All right, take care. Lots of love. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All righty. Awesome. Jeannie. Susan, 910, you're on the air. 910. Hey there, young lady. Are you with us, Susan? Susan? Yes, 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 yes. I just have to get hey. that silly code in the phone and get myself unmuted. I'm so glad to hear you guys talking. And hello, Julie from Ashland, Oregon. Um, you know what I was thinking, Julie, is make a down payment on your next intensive <laughs> framing a goal for you, girl. Just just framing a goal. Anyway, thank you, Dr. Tim. Yes, I want it. I got on the show the day 
that he was talking about the um, the mind shifter group where someone had an issue with him speaking the word victim. And I thought just as I got on the show, I was hearing the tail end of that conversation, and I thought he had done a worksheet on victim. And I was uh, really interested in seeing what the goal would be and exploring that in case the opportunity presented itself with me. So anyway, I have so much I want to share. So do you have anything else you want me to talk about that? If not, I have a question. No, go for it. We want to hear you share. It's a big question. Okay, this is around the um, laws of living, and when you take something that's not yours and you don't get caught, like in a store or something like that, then the ordinance doesn't punish you, but the orita, which is the spiritual law, starts right then in motion, and and it, uh, I guess it takes back from you what you took and then gives back to the person that you took it from in equal value. That's my thought, but I'm not sure if that's true. So my question is this. If you have a debt, say you go in the hospital and you have a hospital bill of $10,000, and when you get out, you want to pay the hospital bill, but you don't have the resources or you don't think you have the resources, but you're saying in your mind to the hospital and you're telling the people, I will pay you back, I just don't have it now. Uh, How does that affect the Orita spiritual law? Do you follow my question, Michael? Michael we're not hearing yes, I was you. just looking for my I was just looking for my mute button. <laughs> so so here would be my input. First of all, you're not ever going to affect the law. The the way the energy system works, which is called law, is going to affect and impact you. So you know, you might look at the idea, you know, we we live in a culture that is so focused on money that sometimes it can be pretty outrageous. Like, for instance, uh, a couple of days ago I was talking to someone who had a medical procedure done, and it was done on an outpatient basis. They were in the uh, the emergency room for, I don't know, I think they said something like 20 minutes, and uh, the bill was $18,000. Well, you know, if you look at that from a lawful perspective, that might be considered to be theft, and, you know, what someone's obligation is if they agreed to take it, to, to take that on, or if they were forced to take it on, that could be a whole different conversation. But basically the idea is that in the energy system called life, life takes care of or keeps track of what's happening in the energy system. And so energetically, if we take something that doesn't belong to us. Like, for instance, there's a scriptural principle that says, have no unjust weights or measures in your bag. In other words, if you use worthless paper to pay for something that has value, then, in fact, you've given nothing for something. And when you give nothing for something in the energy system, there's a result that takes place. And the result is that... The energy system keeps track of what's been taken and is going to set things up so that there will be compensation. So it's going to take care of itself. That's just kind of how the energy system works. And so does that, does that address or does that get to what you're, you're wondering about? No. Um, it's okay. helpful, though. Then, I appreciate the information. I want to go a little bit deeper if I can just okay. uh, fine-tune. Sure. I didn't ask the question exactly correct. How will that affect my ability to create prosperity, not only in the financial world but in every aspect? And, and would it be helpful? Because I did, I did the Debtors Anonymous program. So we always, as long as we had an agreement with a person to pay you $5 a month, we were in integrity with our money. And so um, that's the way I've lived. And I just wondered if we have a judgment against us and we don't pay that, like at least commit to something a month. Uh, I just wondered how that affected us. Because I'm thinking this next Laws of Living class, I'd like to uh, have it focus a little bit of the worksheet process and the, and the mind shifters on financial abundance. Because the people that are attending, I'm hearing a lot of, talk about money and prosperity. So I just thought it would, a lot of people are repeating. And um, anyway, I'm just putting it out there to kind of ask Ruka and you. 
So my so question the, is, does it basic, affect the abundance if you don't pay your bills? Yes. I mean, if I'm sending a message to the universe, you know, if I, if I resist or I'm in uh, trauma or I'm in um, resentment about paying my bills, I'm sending a message to the universe that says, I don't have what I need to pay my bills. And if I live in a world of, I don't have what I need to pay my bills, then sending that message to the universe is going, the universe is going to hear that. Oh, okay. So you want to live without enough money to pay your bills. Then we can arrange things to work that way. My energetic patterns will draw to me people who will remove money from my pocket or I'll find ways to, you know, end up in loss. So I won't be able to pay my bills. Then if, Instead of, wow, I get this opportunity to pay my bills. This is cool. I feel so good about that. That's awesome. I'm sending a whole different message, and I'm sending an energetic message of abundance to the universe when I joyfully pay for what I get. If I decide to steal from the universe or from someone, then I'm sending a message that someone should come and take from me. It's all got to do with what I'm doing with mind energy. Remember, be through what we do with our mind energy we create and so what are the messages we're sending and then reinforcing with behavior so it is your intention that you're going to pay your bills and you have every intention as soon as you get the money that you're going to pay this and you've paid it in the past and and that's your intention that that keeps you in good with the uh spiritual law the the effect that it has correct and and if you follow through with that then you're going to end up producing an abundant result beautiful and i want us to add one more comment thank you for this conversation and anything you want to add on monday i might not be able to call but i'll definitely be listening and marianne cool. i talked to her after the uh the radio show yesterday and she said the communication worksheet was her favorite worksheet and i went oh my and yeah. she knows it by heart so she took me through yeah. it and she's coaching me with it and magda called me and we had a conversation, and she offered her love and support. So it was beautiful, and it is beautiful. Cool. And I'm learning. I'm yeah. willing. Yeah. It's an awesome tool. Yes, that's what I'm I'm, I'm hearing. And Terry, of course, is, is helping me uh, in that process, too. And I did – I had all those worksheets set up yesterday when I got home. I did probably seven or eight, and then I just breathed for about an hour. Um, uh-huh. So – I feel so much better, and I breathed again this morning for about an hour again. So uh, I love to breathe, and I encourage everyone that knows the still point breath, if if you, I mean, it's great. I always promote the worksheet. Now I'm on the breathing. Both both all of of the above. How about that? All of the above. That's it. Okay, I'm done, Michael. Thank you so much for your time. Love you all. Glad to have you on the team. By the way, how's your uh, Laws of Living class coming together? You know, for those who haven't met Susan before, she is a teacher extraordinaire of Laws of Living, lives in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and is in just in the process of putting together her fifth or your fourth yes. Laws of Living class. Fourth. fourth. I lose track of it. Fourth. Fourth. Fourth, fourth Laws of yeah. Living class, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, how is it? Have you got a date today. set for it yet? Two weeks Say it again? from today, which I've Two weeks from today. Oh, cool. Two cool. weeks. Yeah. Awesome. On a Thursday night. All right. Well, well anyone who, uh, who wants to participate, contact Susan. And uh, Susan, do you want to give us your email or phone number? Or? My phone number, 910-547-2255. That's 910-547-2255. So it will be recorded on this show anyway. So it's out awesome. there. All right, young lady. We appreciate you. Appreciate you too, Michael. Thank you all. Okay, bless you. you all. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. And we're down to the last few seconds, so we'll just say thanks for joining us. We're honored and delighted that you're on the team and that we get to share these tools with you and uh, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday 
on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Thank you.